The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Take your Bible this morning and turn to the New Testament book of Romans chapter number 14. Romans chapter number 14. For our church body here, we're beginning a series of uh, sermons on um, catechism. Some of you might be here today, and even members of our church say catechism. Is this this Catholic, or where is this? Where does this come from? No, Uh, where catechism simply is an old word for discipleship by way of question and answer format. And so uh, we're going to be asking several pertinent questions concerning the gospel in our own lives for the next several weeks, and we're going to see what the Scripture has to say about that. If you're visiting with us today, or if you've not been able to um, get it online in the uh, lobby, uh, there on the welcome desk on your way out, there's a guide that would help you with um, either you or your family uh, to walk along over the next several weeks with us as we uh, work our way through these questions. And so, Romans chapter number 14, just three simple verses here. I'll say a few words about them, and then we'll pray together. Romans chapter number 14. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word just for a moment? Romans 14, verse number 7 through verse number 9. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lives again, that He might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Join me in a word of prayer. Our Father, we come to You and we're so thankful for our brothers and sisters and all of their hard work and worship together to lead us in song and to walk us from the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection and the eternal coming of the Son of God. We thank You for all of that. And Father, we pray that our own hearts, even this week, would be mimicking these songs as we go, singing to ourselves the gospel, that it is written and read upon the cross and the resurrection, that there is eternal life for those who would believe. Our Father, we thank You for this wonderful day together, and I thank You for all of our church family that are present today. We thank You for those who are visiting, maybe even for the first time with us. And we pray that You would help them uh, to uh, come alongside with us and to listen carefully. We pray, Lord, that every person in this room would agree together that Christ must be lifted up, and as we lift Him up, He will draw all human beings to Himself that they might have life eternal through Him. We love you and we pray now in these few moments of time that you would help us by way of your Spirit. For it is in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. So, no, you can be seated. First question in the catechism is, is simply this. What is our only hope in life and death? What is our only hope, or the older catechism would read, what is our only comfort or hope in life and death? 
Uh, you know, when we think about that, I'm not just talking about uh, some whimsical idea or something you want to live for or some, some fun thing to have, but I mean, what is the purpose? What is the hope or the comfort? What is it that jerks you out of bed in the morning? What is it that picks you up on your lowest days? What is it that you're living for and walking with and that really brings meaning and guidance to your life? I certainly would say that in a congregation this size right here, even from our children to all of our adults, most of you have lived long enough and been burned by enough people in life that hopefully you're not putting all of your hope or all of your eggs, so to speak, in the basket of relationships. I hope that you're not trusting and getting out of bed in the morning and that the, the holy and the only hope of your life and the greatest comfort that you feel, I hope that you're not trusting other human beings because they will fail you. Can I get a hearty amen there? I mean, look, it happens. You might be in the middle of that situation right now. You, you might be right in the middle of a divorce. Or you might be might right in the middle of uh, where your mom and dad have in, in some way deserted you. Or you might be uh, later on in life and thinking about uh, people and friends that said, I'll be there for you. I'll always have your back. I'll, I'll always be on your side. And when the rubber met the road, when it came time for them really to have your back, they were nowhere to be found. I, I think that we would say today, all of us come to the understanding that our only hope our only comfort in life and death cannot possibly come from a relationship with other human beings. And many of us in here today, we would say we've also come to the understanding that if my hope is in money or possessions, it's empty. It's empty. Now you might be, you might be like me, you might be one of the people in here and say, well, I'd like to give it a chance. I've never had enough money to know that it doesn't meet the need. But I would tell you there are enough people that I've met in my life that have had plenty and had houses and had all of the things and all of the trappings that money can possibly get you. But you know what? Isn't it true that money can't buy us love? How many people have you met in your life that have a lot of money in the bank and they've been divorced four or five times? How many people have you met who have enough money to afford to go out for Easter lunch, but they would give all of that money up if it meant they could be in a relationship that actually lasted and where they felt the kind of love that we feel in here from God and from each other? There are people in this room right now, you look good, you look sharp, you're all beautiful people, but on the inside, you, you come to the understanding that it doesn't matter how good your suit is and how pretty your tie is and how much you have in the bank, there are some immaterial, there are some things on the inside that cannot possibly be met by the money in the bank. I hope today that your only hope is not in relationships and I hope that your only hope is not in your 401k and the money that you have or for some of you, the money that you don't have. The endless pursuit to get ahead in life. What is our only hope in life and death? Maybe, maybe somebody else in here today would say something like, well, my, my greatest hope and what it is is I want to travel the world and I, I adventure and I want to live life to the fullest. I, I just want to do life and I want to, I want to squeeze and wring everything there is out in life. I just want to live life to the fullest. and I want to in some way maybe sow my wild oats, but I tell you that there is nothing but destruction and heartache at the end of that road. And do you know what? Some people don't even live long enough to say I sowed my wild oats. Some people die at early ages. So if you had to answer that question today, 
Believer or unbeliever? Member or visitor? What would you say is your only hope in life and when it's your time to die? Well, the catechism reads along with these verses. Look back at these verses. Let me just give them to you. For not one of us lives for himself and not one dies for himself. So the catechism begins this way. It says, what is our only hope in life and death? Here it is, that you are not your own. Now, isn't that disruptive? That's not where you would have started. That's not where I would have started in a catechism. We might have started with the glory of God. We might have started with all of these kind of things over there. But I think the writers of the catechism and the writers of the New Testament and the writers of the Scripture, they understand that it is kind of inbred in fallen human beings that we want to be on our own. We want life to be about us. And we want to trust ourselves. We want to, be, we want to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps. We want to live life and make it ourselves and be our own people make our own way and the catechism comes along and says what is your only hope in life and death that you're not your own and you'll never have hope you'll never have comfort you'll never have peace you'll never enjoy what God wants for you to enjoy until you come to the place in your life where you simply give up and say I'm not my own this whole thing is not about me this is not my life and if I make the entire world some small circle around myself and I live to make myself happily happy and I put all of my eggs in my own life, if I try and make myself happy, you're going to wind up failing in life. Can I just set that in your lap this morning? You are not your own. Would you let that cut you in your heart? I need to. I'm not my own. Now, you know what? Uh, it, it, some people think, oh, that, that, that's speaking about some sort of a John Donne's understanding that no man is an island to himself, but that has nothing to do with the Scripture or what it's saying. It is saying not just simply that you're not an island to yourself, but that you are not your own God. That not everything rises and falls upon what you want, but you belong to another, and we'll get to that in a moment. But just let the Word of God strike upon the heart of your own life, and maybe it's a stone, and maybe the Word of God would crack and beat against the stone of your heart until it breaks open, and God can use the soil there to bring new life. You and I are not our own. You're not your own. But you want to be. And I want to be. You know what's interesting about the context of this Romans 14? It's interesting. We're talking about uh, this higher level of Christ dying and rising again and that our lives, both in life and in death, are not our own, but we belong to God. And do you know what the Apostle Paul is doing here? Just previously in this passage, he's talking to a bunch of Christians who are getting ready to fight about a bunch of things that don't mean diddly squat. That's a Greek term, all right? 
They're about to fight and argue and fuss. And you know what the Apostle Paul does? He takes all of that language of their arguing and fussing and fighting from down here in the mire and the mud and the sorriness of life. He lifts them up to heaven and he says, hey, listen, forget about the small arguments. Forget about the frustrations. Forget about the preferences. Forget about all of this antagonism against each other. Lift yourself higher and understand that in life and in death, you don't belong to yourself, you belong to God. And so I first of all knock upon the heart of the Christian in this room and say, get yourself up out of the gutter and remember, you don't belong to yourself. It's not about you, it's about Him. And I say to every other person in the room today, maybe you're here and you say, that's the first time I've listened to a choir speak the gospel and sing the gospel to me about Jesus. And this is the first time somebody's opened up the scripture and begin to read and, and pound against my own heart. I tell you on the authority of scripture today, you are not your own. And if you keep living like you are, you'll die in your sins and go to an eternal judgment. Not because I say so but because God's Word says so. So what is the catechism's answer? What is our only hope in life and in death? Well, the first thing is it says, look, you're not your own. But what does it say secondly? It says here, but you belong to God. But you belong both body and soul in life and death to God. Look back down at the text at verse number 8. Oh, verse number 7. For not one of us lives for himself and not one of us dies for himself. But look at verse number 8. For if we live, we live for the Lord. It's a conditional. For if we have life, we live for the Lord. Or if we die... We die for the Lord. The idea here is it is simultaneous. So it is in life and it is in death and anywhere in between. Somebody said when you look at the uh, when you when you look at a gravestone, you see their birth and you see their death, and you're living in the dash between. And the Bible here is saying whether it is in your birth, and we've had many of those in in this church recently in the last year, or whether it's in your death, as we had a funeral service last Sunday evening, or whether all of us today are living in the dash between. Whether we live or whether we die or anywhere in between, we are the Lord's. We belong to Him. What's our only hope? The first thing, if you want hope in life and death today, you have to say, I am not my own. And you have to turn around and say, but I belong to God. Hmm. Now would you think with me just for a few minutes, we won't be long, but could you just think about that? Doesn't that strike your heart where you don't want to, I belong, I don't belong to anybody. You don't own me. That's what I want to say. Isn't that what you want to say? You don't own me. Remember, and I think I've shared this with you before, and I, and I, I do this at the knowing that certainly afterwards somebody's going to say this to me. I hate being called boy or son. And I don't like anybody grabbing me around the back of the neck. Now, say, all right, there's some guys in here. You know what I'm talking about. You grab me around the back of the neck and call me son. We're going to go fisticuffs today. No, I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. You don't own me. Isn't that bread in your own heart? Isn't that the way you grew up? You, you, since the time you've been playing in sandboxes to, to the day that you are right now, you, nobody owns you. You don't belong to you. You belong to yourself. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. 
This is my life, not your life. You can get out if you don't like it. That's the way the world and the society that is around us teaches us to be. But God comes along and says, no, you've been bought with a price, with Calvary's blood, with what Jesus did on the cross. He died for us and He loved us and He purchased us out of the miry sin of our life and we belong to Him. If you're in here today and you want to know what your only hope in life and death is, it is first of all to say, I am not my own. Oh, but I belong to God. Let me speak to believers and unbelievers. If you're a believer in this room, you belong to God. And what that means is every day of your life, when you get up, you're not answering to yourself, you're answering to Him. It is not what I want to do with my life, it's what He wants me to do with my life. It is not what I want to say and where I want to go and what I want to do. It is what He wants me to say and where He wants me to go and what He wants me to do. My life belongs to Him in body and soul and in life and death. Completely. Completely. Are you surrendered to God completely today as a believer? Do you belong to Him in body and soul, in life and death? When you wake up tomorrow, is the heartbeat and the passion of your soul to say, here I am, Lord, I belong to You. What happens in Isaiah 6? Isaiah has a vision of the holy throne of God and the holiness and the beauty and the majesty of who God and Christ is. What's the second thing that happens to him? He is burned on the lips of his own sin and he says, me and the people are sinners. And what's the third thing he does? Here I am, Lord, send me. And if there is not an eternal, everlasting submission in your heart to Him to say, I belong to you, then this is the good, glad day that you can repent of your sin, turn from that, and trust Him. If you're an unbeliever today, I want that to sit with you because on the third point, I'm going to tell you how that will happen. But I want you to know on the front end, I don't want to lie to unbelievers. If you're here today and you're critical or a little skeptical, or maybe you just came to visit for a few minutes and you say, I want to know what this Christianity thing is about. I'm tired of people kind of selling a bill of goods that isn't there. If you want to be a Christian, it means that you lay down your life that you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins and your wickedness, and that you come to Him, nothing in your hand, simply to His cross you are clinging, and you say, Jesus, save me, I'll serve you all the days of my life. We come to Jesus to belong to Him. And so I tell you on the authority of God's holy word, if you're in here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I want you to understand it's not just take a little Jesus and a little religion and keep living life the way that you want to. No. If you come to Jesus, He'll change your life. He'll turn you upside down. He'll take all of the sinful desires that you want And He'll replace them with the desires He wants. And so you may not have heard a preacher confront you this way before, but I I want to be honest with you. I don't want you to live your life thinking that you know what Christianity is and then get to the end and not know. You, Jesus, God says this in the New Testament, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. 
Jesus said, Many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in Your name? In Your name do many mighty works. And Jesus said, Depart from me. I never knew You. If you want to be a Christian and you want hope, then you need to be willing to give up what you think other people think of you, your religion, how many times you've been baptized in water or signed cards or however long you've been a part of this church. And if God right now is in your heart and you feel it, you know it, what He's saying is right because it comes from the Bible and I've been playing religion. Everybody thinks I'm a good person, but I'm not. The only hope that you have is to throw yourself on the mercy of God that you might belong to Him. Let me give you one more point and we'll finish. What is our only hope in life and death? Well, it's that we don't belong to ourselves, but we belong both body and soul in life and death to God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Look with me at verse number 9. For to this end, or you might say for the purpose of what we just read in verse 7 and 8, for to this end Christ died and lived again. Christ died and lived again, that He might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. I was thinking this a couple of weeks ago, just kind of rolling this around in my mind and kind of thinking through it. And I thought, man, a congregation like this, we're all sitting here, we're listening to music, we're all kind of have family, we're all here. So I knew that this sermon would sit in your lap heavy. And I say to you, member or visitor, law save. Why am I calling you to not belong to yourself and to belong to God? How could somebody possibly make that plea for you? The only reason is because Jesus both lived and died and lives again. You see, if I called for you to uh, give all of your life to an idea, it would fail. If I called for you to give your life to me, it would certainly fail. If I called you to give your life to yourself and your abilities and your accomplishments and your talents, it would fail. Why? Because you live and you will die. But I'm calling you to give your life to someone who both lived and died and rose again. Now if you know somebody else who has lived and died and rose again, let's have a conversation after this. But if you don't and you're in this room, I call you on the authority of God's Word right now on the risen Lord Jesus Christ to stop looking for satisfaction and value in everything else and to come to Him right now today and to say, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and I believe on the morning of the third day when the ladies went to the tomb that it was empty and He is not here. Just like He said, He is risen from the dead. Jesus is alive. And for this purpose, He both lived 
and died and rose again that he might be Lord of all. Some of you have been playing religion for a long time in your life. And you're scared to death of what the people are, what you think the people around you will think of you. I tell you, you can keep on living that way and die into destruction. Or you can put your hope and your comfort in the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus and have eternal home in heaven. I wonder what it'll be for you today. In the days of communist Russia, this is a true story. I was reading this last week. In the days of communist Russia, they, um, this uh, atheist philosopher from the university went into a local church and forced their way in, guards, they, and uh, walked up to the pulpit and uh, began to lecture for almost an hour and a half. Aren't you thankful that my lecture is not an hour and a half? You don't have to say amen to that, all right? <laughs> For an hour and a half, he lectures. There is no God. There is no Bible. There is nothing. It is all the state. It is all this. There is no God. And he just lectured and lectured and lectured. And the oppression just falls in upon this congregation of people. And he gets ready uh, to sit down thinking he has conquered everything. And, and the, the, the preacher uh, of the church, the pastor of the church, kind of creeps uh, sheepishly over to the lecturer with the guards around. And he says to this atheist lecturer, true story, he says, may I say three words to the people. And with his nose looked up, he said, you can say three words. And so the preacher stands up and he says this, Christ is risen. And the entire congregation shouts back, He is risen indeed. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ conquers all of the world, every ideology, and every sinful thought of your heart. And if you'll put your faith and confidence in Jesus Christ this day, you'll have eternal comfort, an eternal home, and an eternal hope in Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? In a minute, we'll stand and sing together. But right now, right where you are, maybe the Lord's doing some work in your own heart. There's nobody looking around. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not asking you to get up and do a bunch of things. I'm just saying right now, right where you are, in the privacy of your own mind and heart, would you pray? If you're here and you say, I, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I am ready this one time. I'm ready right now to stop trusting myself and to trust Jesus. Why don't you just talk to him right there, just tell him, Lord Jesus, I don't even know how to pray. I'm not even good at this, but my heart's heavy, and I, I, I don't want to keep living the way that I'm living. I trust you. Say that from a sincere and a humble heart. You're not going to find a lightning bolt hit you out of heaven, nor are you going to float out of here. But the Bible says that nobody comes to the kingdom except for childlike faith. Trust Jesus now. And today, when the service is over, next couple of days, 
talk with us. Anybody you've seen on stage, myself, one of our deacons, talk with us. We want to help you. We want to teach you how to follow Jesus the rest of your days. But right now, right where you are, there's, there's a conversion. There's a transaction that needs to take place. Just give up. Just, just stop trusting yourself. And ask Jesus, call on Him to have mercy on you. You remember, right? I'm not my own. And I, I, I'm tired of being on my own. And I want to belong to you. Save me. He'll do that for you. There are some believers in here today. And sadly to say, some of us are trying to find our only hope in many other things. We're arguing in the trivialities of life instead of living moment by moment in the glory of the risen King. Why don't you make that right with Him right now? You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.